Clear Thinking Out Loud, written and narrated by Mark Tyrrell of Uncommon Knowledge. Hi, I'm Mark Tyrrell of Uncommon Knowledge, and welcome to How to Maximize Client Comfort When Using the World's Most Effective PTSD Cure. Three specific protective language techniques to use when treating post-traumatic stress disorder and phobias. Now, I'm thinking of a particular case, and the air in the room seemed to crackle with urgency as this particular client spoke to me. His eyes were wide, fixed in a gaze of eternal horror, an unfading snapshot of an unbearable moment continually lived. So James, this client, only alluded to the severe physical and sexual abuse he'd suffered. He couldn't bring himself to describe it directly. And the old sticks and stones adage couldn't be further from the truth. Words can hurt even when they come from our own mouths. It wasn't just that he'd suffered abuse, but that he was still living that horror many years later. The now he lived in was still that same now he'd experienced back then during the abuse. Trauma locks people in time. No matter how hard they try to move forward, it keeps them anchored in the past, like a fiend yanking them back by the throat. But there was something else James said that really got to me. The post-traumatic stress James was suffering from childhood abuse had gotten worse after seeing a particular therapist. So finally, in his 30s, James had mustered the courage to uh, seek help for his terrible nightmares and flashbacks. And all he got was more pain and muddled therapeutic theory. James told me that his last therapist had made him talk about what had happened. And he said, he even made me close my eyes and try to relive it. He seemed to think that that was the key to getting better, to feeling all the pain again. And he told me there must be something that I didn't remember. And that was the real root of my PTSD. But I already knew what caused it. I already remembered it only too well. James now had terrible memories, not just of the abuse, but of the therapy itself that he'd received for that abuse. His nightmares and flashbacks got worse after the therapy, and that therapies had actually believed, because of their ideology, that that was all part of progress. James had come to dread every session and needed time off work just to recover after each session that he'd had. James's therapist tried to convince him that all this extra pain was somehow part of the healing process. Clearly, he had a severely limited knowledge as to what trauma actually is. Amazingly, James was still prepared to give therapy another go. He told me that he felt there had to be help out there somewhere, and he wasn't wrong. So after that other therapist, James's next therapist tried eye movement desensitization reprocessing, or EMDR, and the emotional freedom technique, EFT, or tapping, and you might have heard of these uh, methodologies. James found this a bit more useful, which wasn't hard after his first experience, and it seemed to help him at least get back to where he was before seeing that first therapist. But it wasn't coupled with deep relaxation, and the howling nightmares continued even after these methodologies were sort of tried on James. Still, James found himself plagued by the memories of sexual and physical abuse. The distraction of self-tapping during a flashback would sometimes help it pass a little quicker, but he still got the flashbacks. When he remembered to do the tapping, that was, you know, and sometimes he didn't remember because he was so caught up in the flashback, but it wasn't quite enough. 
when we truly understand what trauma is and what is needed to lift it, only then can we offer a real uh, way of helping somebody and renew hope in them. So what does a traumatized client really need? To help a client overcome trauma, we need to keep them comfortable and relaxed. That's number one. Secondly, we need to keep them focused on the present. PTSD, trauma, drags people back in time. It spontaneously, hypnotically regresses them, or at least that's the way it feels. Number three, we need to keep them disassociated. The client needs to experience being associated with the present or a sense of resourceful empowerment and disassociated from the trauma itself. When this happens, even decades old trauma can be lifted incredibly comfortably and fast. Any technique that can help clients do these three things will help them. So if someone can do EMDR or EFT, incorporating those three elements, then it will be that much more powerful. Trying to get clients who are less extremely traumatized to talk through what happened may help them process the trauma eventually, but it could be painful. But for the around a quarter of clients, talking about the trauma will actually deepen it if they're severely traumatized. So just talking it through can re-traumatize them because it means they have to experience the horror again and again, and it can embed it deeper. This knowledge has been available for some time, and I feel it's unethical to continue to try to treat trauma in ways that do not take the nature of trauma and trauma cure into account. The rewind technique is currently the most comfortable and reliable way of using the three principles of ethical trauma resolution. It's an amazingly quick and safe way to lift debilitating trauma and phobias in most people. But even when using Rewind, practitioners still need to consider the way they communicate. The language you use when working with Rewind can make all the difference to both its effectiveness and your client's comfort. Just as you must avoid peanuts if you have a nut allergy or gluten if you're celiac, you must avoid provocative language if you're treating someone with trauma. Keeping our language safe, at least until the trauma or phobia is lifted, is paramount. Phobic or traumatized people often find that the slightest trigger sets them off, and words can be powerful triggers. So just the mention of the word spider can spark terror in an anacrophobe. I found the word rape or assault or even the word memory can automatically arouse a severely traumatized or phobic person. I worked with a car crash survivor whose partner had died in the crash. She herself hadn't been seriously physically injured, but she was acutely traumatized years later. Until the trauma was lifted, she couldn't hear the word car or crash without her body flooding with adrenaline. Such is the immense power of pattern matching in the brain. In one of my workshops, I cured a woman of a belly button phobia, which is, I've only ever seen one person with this phobia. But of course, we can attach any emotional response to just about any trigger. So before we worked together, she couldn't say or hear the word belly button. And she had her own BB, as she called it, taped over. So she couldn't even see her own belly button. After a single rewind session, she could say it easily, and in fact, she took great delight in doing so over and over, and just saying belly button, belly button, belly button. 
For the rewind technique to be effective, we want the client to remain calm and relaxed throughout the session. But how can we deal with such specific scary memories without using potential trigger words? So I want to give you three protective language strategies that do just that. So number one, use code words. Your client knows what happened to traumatize them and they don't need you to retell them. Some very simple code words can let them know what we're talking about without bringing up the specifics of the situation and presenting them with those trigger words. So when you rewind a specific terrifying spider memory, don't talk about that time when you were terrified by that big, enormous, hairy spider that jumped on your head from the grandfather clock. Okay, <laughs> it's just sort of painting it even more vividly for them. Simply refer to that wooden clock time. Okay, they've given, so refer to a element of the experience that wasn't the scary bit, which that was just incidental. So we're not saying terror or spiders, and there's no jumping. I don't have to use these words for them to know what we're talking about and what memory I'm asking them to process. Similarly, the code for a car crash might simply be that time in December you were telling me about. So lifting trauma is all about widening the emotional context because flashbacks are narrow focus of attention right down as do nightmares. But when we have a wider context, the fear diminishes. This approach can be quite straightforward if someone only has a sub-threshold trauma, but we can also help the process along with our use of language when applying rewind. The wooden clock or the fact it was December is a context that isn't the usual focus of a flashback. So this kind of language can help contextualize the memory and protect the person whilst the memory is being reprocessed as emotionally past and therefore safe. Secondly, we can reframe a memory as a video. Traumatized and phobic people are plagued by their memories. So even just using the word memory can provoke anxiety and have connotations for people. But we can encourage disassociation from a traumatic memory during Rewind by describing it as that out-of-date video. Okay, a memory is part of a person. It's inside you, or so it seems. But a video is outside of you. We can put it away and choose when or even if we ever play it again. The experience of watching an out-of-date video is very different from reliving a memory. Not only that, but watching something is also very distinct from feeling it, which implies being inside it. If you ask someone to feel something, they're inside it. If they're watching it from over in a calm place, way over there, they're outside of it. And as a final added bonus, the very concept of a video is now out of date for people. So it's even more removed. Number three, change tense to bring calm. Traumatic memories feel as if they're happening right now, even if the original trauma happened decades before. This is because the memory stays stuck in the part of the brain that doesn't contextualize events as past. Cognitively, of course, the person knows the horror isn't happening again each time it runs through their brain, but emotionally, it's another story. It feels like it's happening now again and again and again. After a rewind session, clients typically report that the memory that had previously haunted them now feels distant. They may describe the memory as feeling like a long time ago or like it can't affect them anymore. We can encourage this sense of distance in time 
by emphasizing the past in what we talk about, even as we apply Rewind. We can talk of that old, out-of-date video way back then, or that long-ago time, that you in that ancient old video, way, way over there. But there's another great advantage to keeping our language safe before and after Rewind. By excluding trigger words and including words that widen the context beyond horror, as we work on the Rewind technique, we create a good test to check that the trauma or phobia is now gone completely. At the end of the session, we can reintroduce direct references to spiders or the car crash into the conversation and see for the client that that no longer has a triggering effect for them. At this point, we should see clear indications that these words are no longer triggers and instead have become completely neutral words for the client. If you remember, the belly button phobic um, person actually enjoyed being able to say the words over and over. So for some triggers, I take it a step further. I might use the word snake first, then ask the client to actually see one. So the power of the rewind technique is such that it's likely to work even when the practitioner doesn't specifically use these language tools. And many don't. They just use the technique in quite a sort of rote kind of a way. But I believe we owe it to the phobics and trauma survivors to make their recovery as comfortable as possible. And protective language really helps with that. It makes me feel ashamed and embarrassed of my profession when I hear the stories of people like James who seek help and end up feeling worse. And then they're sold the idea that feeling worse is somehow part of the therapeutic process. After his rewind treatment, James said, and I'll never forget it, he said, it feels like I can finally be me. Like I'm no longer carrying that horrendous weight of terror and shame within me anymore. I can connect with other people without this invisible wall of horror coming between us. I feel free, light, and happy. As expected, James can now think about, and if he chooses to talk about what happened to him, he can, but he doesn't need to. His nightmares have stopped, and the horror triggers that used to uh, litter the landscape of his life no longer have any effect at all. He's not constantly being triggered. He's free. So I hope you found that useful. I'm Mark Tyrrell of Uncommon Knowledge. And if you'd like to um, subscribe to my email newsletter, you can do. You can find it over at unk.com slash blog. That's unk.com slash blog. Mm -hmm.